This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up? What's up? Incredible, loved, and valued people. I am Emma Mae McDaniel, and I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful to have the joy of being a part of your life, even if it's through the simplest way of this Have You Heard podcast. I'm so glad that you're here and I'm so stoked about our conversation today because a dear friend honestly feels like a big sister, another mama to me is going to be on the podcast with us today. As we're talking about family, we're talking about being a mom, we're talking about living for the approval of the Lord and not for people. We're talking about having the tough conversations because they're worth having. So friends, this is going to be rich. Grab your headphones and let's get into the word. Dasher, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, sweet Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Um, (laughs) I'm honored truly to be here with you. You are a joy and a light. And every time I'm in your presence, I'm like, I just see Jesus shining all through you. So the joy and honor is on me. So thank you for having me. Wow. That's like the biggest compliment I could ever receive. This is so sweet for th- this is something that I forgot about until Jill mentioned it earlier before we were recording that Jill was like my babysitter when I was little. And so this is such a sweet moment where we're getting to talk just as adults now and share how the Lord has been working in our life. And hopefully those of you who are listening are just so encouraged by it. This is just really special. I'm so it thankful. Is. It's so full circle. I mean, I I would babysit Emma and Nolan. And let me just go ahead and tell you that Emma was mature, sweet Emma way back then. You know, poor Nolan. He was he he was all over the place. (laughs) But you kept him together like you, you know, gosh, I love that boy. But you you were just y'all are so precious. I love I have sweet memories of those days. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, speaking of just sweet memories and joy, what is something that has made you smile today? So today, okay, it's about 12 o'clock-ish here. So I would say my first smile of the day was this morning. My, I have a two-year-old, and she um, actually slept late today, which was a blessing from the Lord. Mm. Um, I was already out of my shower and getting dressed, and then here comes this little little girl with her big, she has a lot of hair for a two-year-old. And so she has this massive hair going and she has her thumb in her blanket and she peeks through the door. And it's just the most, I kind of envision it's like how Jesus would welcome us. It's like, she looks at me like I'm the greatest person in the world, you know? And she's like, mommy. And I just like smile, my whole body smiled. She just, I don't know. It was a great start to the day. Oh, I love that. Okay. So Something I would love for you to share with us is a little bit about you and your family because you have a two-year-old, but that's one of your sweet crew. Yeah. Who all is in your crew? Okay, so <laughs> we we have quite the crew. There is seven of us um, currently. I always use the word currently because I, I've learned to not put 
boundaries and limits on what God's going to do in the realm of family. And so um, Zach and I, we've been married. It'll be 22 years this June. And then we have a 19-year-old daughter, 17-year-old son, 15-year-old son, 12-year-old son, and then a two-year-old daughter, <laughs> which came Jill. a little bit later in the, the clan. <laughs> That's so much fun. Those are so many different seasons happening under the same roof. Yes, it is. We are in every stage. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Yeah. <laughs> College, yeah. diapers, middle school, elementary school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So to share some context of how your most recent precious baby came to be a part of your family, I would love for you to tell those who are listening about the phone call that you received that changed your life. Yes, I, I definitely received a life-changing phone call. Well, it actually started with a text. And what's funny about this text is Zach and I were in Arizona on a work trip, and he was about to go and present this new project to a group of people in this um, in this conference room. And I got a text that said, is this Jill? Question mark. If so, this is Karen, and I need to ask you a question. Can you talk? And I remember reading that text, and, you know, it's funny. I, I, there must have been something in my spirit that knew this was an important text because I still, for the life mm -hmm. of me, can't imagine why I responded with yes when literally Zach was about to walk on stage to do this production. It, would, it was the worst possible time to take a call, but I said yes, <laughs> And so she sends me this text back. It was a long text, and it basically said, this young girl reached out to me that I knew through my grandson. Um, she was wanting me to help her find a job so that she could pay for an abortion. And I thought of you. You came to my mind, and I just wondered if you might be willing to talk to her. And so I remember reading that text, and I walked down the side of the room. I mean, it was an awkward. Everybody's in this conference room. And I walked down the side and Zach is over to the side. They're like still working on sound checks and stuff like that. And I show him the text and he says, call her back right now and tell her that, yes, you will talk to her, but that we would adopt that baby if she chose to have it. And I said, this was wow. like a 10 second interaction. And I said, okay. And so I walked back out and I called Karen and I, I said, look, you know, she came, kind of gave me a backstory. And I said, well, look, I, I will talk to her. I will pray with her. I will whatever. But also we would adopt that baby if she chose to have it. I didn't know if it was a girl or boy. And Karen yeah. said, well, I kind of already told her that you would, but I didn't tell her your name just in case you weren't up for it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the beginning wow. of something just amazing in our family. Um, wow. What I feel like I need to add to this story, particularly for somebody that's going to listen to this podcast that is in a season of waiting or hoping or, I mean, it could be a million different things. But what is so cool about this phone call is that 12 years prior, 12 years before this happened, I was a mother of three, pregnant with my fourth child. I was actually living in your old house, Emma, 
when y'all used to live on 546. Do you remember that yes, address? Okay. I do remember that address. Th- that just came to me as I was sharing the story that we were living in your old house. And That's so crazy. You you will know exactly where I was sitting. I was reading. All the kids were in bed. I was reading a book called Choosing to See by Mary Beth Chapman. And it was her story about their adoption process. And it was also shared about the tragic situation that happened with their daughter that they adopted. And I became so overwhelmed with just grief over this situation Mm -hmm. that I found myself and had never prayed like this before, but I was prostrate on the ground, just praying. I don't even know what I was saying. It was one of those moments. I can't even recall the actual words. It was just a a moment of grief where I was crying out to God for this family. And in that moment, God very clearly, not audibly, but spoke adoption over our family to me in that moment. And it was Mm -hmm. so real to me that I got up from that prayer. I remember just being like almost drenched in sweat. And I walked into the office, the front office, and I wrote a letter to the child that would one day be a part of our family through adoption because I wanted him or her to know you were thought of before you ever existed before. And and I'll be honest, in my mind, I thought it was going to be more recent. I had no idea this was 12 years down the road. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Which is so sweet of how maybe even things that we prayed for and thought that they would happen within a certain time span and then a certain time span goes by and we may even start to doubt like, God, did I hear you right? Mm -hmm. God, did this mean what I thought that it meant? God, did you forget? And God is just so sovereign and so faithful. He's like, no, I'm guiding you along the right path for the honor of my name. My timing is perfect. I have not forgotten, but my timing is different than maybe what your expectation would have been. And now 12 years down the road and you have a two-year-old poking her sweet little head through the door telling you good morning. Yes. It's incredible. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I look at her face and I'm like, God, you not just you're faithful, but you write a story that is so much better than the one I could have written. Like it's so much better. And so um, whenever I got that call from Karen, I left. I don't even remember if I watched that gift as presentation. I went straight (laughs) up to the hotel room. And it's so interesting that I again found myself on the floor but it was a hotel bathroom, which I don't suggest doing. But I just began <laughs> praying over and over for this baby that this woman was carrying. I was praying that God would save this child from abortion. And I was praying for this mother that God would just fill wow. her. And it was just a prayer all I, I just over and over and over again. And then I got up from that prayer and wrote another letter, but it was a letter to Ruth's birth mom. And I told her the story that I just told you in that letter. And so that was the first thing she read from Zach and I. Wow. And how was the conversations with her? Was she like super hesitant at first or was she almost just craving hope, but didn't know where to find it initially? You know, I think about our first conversation with her and 
it was, I'll never forget it because I knew that she was going to meet with Karen that day and that Karen was going to give her our letter that I had written, but I had no idea what would transpire from that. And I didn't even know if she was still carrying the baby because she was supposed to meet with Karen a few weeks before and she never showed up. And so we, for several weeks, had no clue, you know, what had transpired. And so she ended up meeting with her and my phone rings. Well, Karen is calling me and I'm just assuming she's going to tell me about the meeting. But when I answered the phone, she said, Jill, I have somebody that's sitting here that wants to talk to you. Do you want to talk to her? And of course, I just froze, you know, I was like, oh, am am I prepared? But what was so beautiful is that Zach was home that day. He was there. And so we were able to both go together. What's cool is we sat up in the nursery room. See, we had already been preparing a nursery because we were in the process of becoming foster certified parents. And so we had this nursery, but there was no baby in it. And so we went up there because it was the quiet quietest place in the house. And we talked with her for about 45 minutes. And it was the most beautiful conversation of just someone pouring out their life. Um, Wow. I have so much respect for Ruth's birth mother in the decision that she made, because I will tell you, she has not had an easy life. And the easiest decision in that moment for her probably felt like to, to get rid of this burden. And man, we just shared such an enriching conversation and it didn't end with her. It it was, she actually shared her story with us and I don't know why she felt comfortable doing that. Um, but I just remember ending the call with, look, we are here and we want to support you. Um, we are willing to, to love your baby or to walk you through this pregnancy and help you to love and raise your baby. We are here for whatever. And we just kind of want to put the ball in your court and let you process and think, and you have our number and you can reach back out to us. And that was kind of how it started. And then two days later, she calls me and she says, I would love to meet with you guys. And so we drove, she lives about two hours away. We drove down there and met with her and had dinner. And over the course of a few more meetings, she said, I, and and I thought this was so beautiful. She said, I I don't want to abort this baby. I don't, I want her to have life, but I just, I'm not in any position in my life to care for her. Would you guys raise her as your own? And so we said, yes. (laughs) I love so much how when you received that text and went to Zach, your husband, his immediate response, like he's about to go on stage and give a presentation. His immediate response was, yes, go call her and tell her that we will adopt her baby. Like if she is not able to care for this child on her own. Like y'all were so like-minded and unified in that moment. That was such the working of God. Y'all were both like, yeah, absolutely. And it couldn't have been in more of a, I guess, chaotic setting is the best (laughs) phrase. But y'all were both like, yeah, let's do it. 
<laughs> Look, what's so funny about you bringing that up is if you would have told me that that's the way it would have went down, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, because a backstory that you don't know is that I had a heart for foster care and adoption since I was a child. Um, my parents' best friends were foster parents, and they they had over 100 foster placements. And they knew that I loved babies, and so they would let me come over to their house on Sundays and help take care of their babies. And so my whole life, I just knew we're, we're going to be foster parents, and my husband's going to desire that too. But the reality was Zach did not desire that. And I remember we got married, and I was like, wait. Why would God put something on my heart that's a good thing and give me a husband that was like, no, I, I just, I'm not into that. And um, so I, I just started praying. I would pray anytime it came to my mind or that desire came in my heart. I would pray, God, if this is for our family, will you put this on Zach's heart? Because this has to be from you. I can't talk him into this. This is a human being. And as God would do it, and in his timing, which was, I mean, 16 years after we got married, this is another lesson in timing and waiting. Zach was going on a business trip to Memphis, Tennessee, and his brother lived there. And so he decided to stay with his brother. Well, it just so happened that his brother Grant and Jessica, his wife, had just received their first foster placement. And he was there the day before. And so he was there witnessing all of this happen. And I'll never forget, he called me late that night. It was 11 o'clock. And he just said, Jill, I think I'm ready. And I was like, well, I'm ready for you oh to get home too. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he says, I'm, I'm ready to foster. I want to do that. And he shared, you know, what he had witnessed. And he was just like, I know this is beautiful. I, I, and so he told me that. And I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. As you're sharing that, it just makes me think of Sarah and Abraham and how God clearly said, like, I am going to bless you with a son. But Sarah, it not going the way she thought it was going to go, took matters into her own hands. And I just think it's so beautiful how you knew that God had put something on your heart, but instead of trying to take matters into your own hands and make it look how you thought that it should look, you continually took it to the Lord and laid it at his feet and trusted God with your husband's heart, trusted God with what he had put on your heart. And like we we're saying so much, and I love it, that God's timing and his way of going about it was perfect. I really hope that something that those of you who are listening take away is it may not go exactly how you thought it would go. It may not go in the time span that you thought that it would be in, but you can trust the Lord and you're going to look back and say, wow, that was better than anything I could have ever conjured up or made happen on my own terms and my own understandings. I love that you're sharing that. And I also... Jill, I can't help but think you were in a position where you are about to take on being the mother of a newborn and you had a daughter at the time going into her senior year of high school or junior year of high school. And those are, 
those are just two totally different seasons. I'm just so curious, how did you feel like stepping into that? What were all of the things that you were needing to process through? Because of course you were excited. This is clearly a long-term answered prayer, but were there so many other emotions along with it? Oh yeah. I mean, I've cried even as you're asking that question, just because I'm thinking of the emotions that went into all of this. Um, oh yeah. I never in my plan thought I would have a se- almost senior in high school and a newborn, the day we brought, we brought Ruth home from the hospital, um, which if we have time, I'll share a little bit about that miraculous story. Um, the day before Layla went to the junior prom. And so I have this picture of Layla in her prom dress, holding this barely four pound, um, at the time she was already two months. She was in the NICU for two months. And if you look at that picture, there's so many things that, and every time I see it, there's so many things that go through my mind. One of the first things I remember thinking is, will I have the energy with Ruth Harvest that I had with Layla? You know, when Layla was born, I was 23 years old. I was young and, you know, and here I am. I was 40 years old when I brought Ruth home, like almost two decades later. That sounds crazy. (laughs) And so I'm like, you know, I'm having those questions, but you know what, Emma, the honest truth is because of how God weaved this story in my life. And it was so evident that this was his, his doing and not something that I could do on my own. I think it gave me a a peace and it gives me a peace now to know that he's going to give me what I need. He's going to give me what I need, even in the moments when I feel like, Oh goodness. Like she's two now. So this is a whole nother, like I forgot what the terrible twos were like, um, but we're there, but I don't know. I feel like God has just given me what I need. And that doesn't mean I always feel like I'm the best mom, but I always feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm in it and I'm going to stay in it. Um, and trust that his grace is going to overcome my falls and my faults and my failures. Um, with with all of my children. That's such an encouragement. One that's so relatable because you ask the question, am I going to have the energy to do this and not only do it, but do it well? And then such an encouragement for you to, again, go to the Lord and trust that he's going to give you what you need day by day as you need it. And also an encouragement that two years have gone by and you can... F- look back on his faithfulness and say, he did. Like, I didn't feel like the best mom every day, but he supplied me with everything that I needed to honor him and love my children well day by day. And I, as this, when this podcast comes out, I will probably be just three or four weeks from our little, our little lady coming into the world. And I am so encouraged hearing you say this because I've definitely had those thoughts of like, am I, am I capable? Like this is, I feel just filled with joy, but at the same time, this weight of responsibility. And if I'm not careful, this fear of not doing it perfectly. And so it's such an encouragement to one rest in the, the humbling reality that well, I could just throw that out the door because I'm not going to do it perfectly. So that's a waste of time to be afraid of that. But also such a lifter of 
No, I am capable because God says that he will give his own strength to you, that he will increase your power, that he will supply your every need according to not your riches, but his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I know that we have people listening to this conversation who are maybe stepping into their senior year of high school or transitioning into into college and may feel like, I don't know if I'm going to have what it takes. I don't know if I'm going to have all that I need. Maybe you're stepping out of college and into your new job or into a new community or about to get married. And maybe just all of the things that you're, you may be looking ahead at are feel daunting. I hope that you know that this is such a foundational truth that it may not look like you're about to bring in a new baby to your home that it's had it's been years since you've done that it may not be that particular circumstance but what's so cool about god is it doesn't matter your circumstance his character is steady so his character will be with you in your circumstance where you don't have to fear doing something perfectly but you can rest and trust that he's gonna give you the capability to do what he's called you to do and do it well yeah and i think you know for, for people listening, like it's important to understand we live in a culture that is wanting you to think that you can do it perfectly. And not only that you can, but that this is what doing it perfectly looks like. And as long as you can make whatever it is you're doing look like this, then, you know, you've got it. You're in, you know, you just do you. And I think it's so opposite of God's tender message to us in his word. In fact, God's message is you can't do it perfectly. I can do it perfectly. And I love you enough mm. to lead you perfectly through it. And so, you know, I think about your little baby that's about to enter in this world. You know, as you are going to love this, like I can't even describe to you the amount of love that you're going to have for this, this little child the first time you look at her, right? But God's love for her is just massively more than that. And so when I think about that, especially when I, I think about Ruth and I think about, because I think we tend to think of about ourselves in the areas of our weaknesses. And so mm -hmm. I will look at Ruth and I will think, well, I'm not doing this with her. And I did that with Layla and I'm not doing this or I'm not. And I, I'm steadily admitting and confessing those things to God. And he's speaking truth over me in that instead of me trying, I think in my younger years where God is growing me is in my younger years. If I felt like I lacked at something, I would do whatever it took to get better at it. And in my later years, I feel like I'm learning, okay, just go to God and admit that thing that you're lacking and ask him to to fill it or to change your heart or to, but to not feel like I have to cover that up. Does that make sense? Or pretend like I've got yeah. it figured out. <laughs> and there's a, there's a freedom in that. Let me tell you. <laughs> that I resonate with that so much because there is such a freedom. I think sometimes I can, I'm really trying to be gracious with myself by reminding myself that this is a journey. This is a process. But then as I, and going about that journey, 
I'm, it's almost like subconsciously I'm not allowing myself to truly live in the reality that it's a journey mm-hmm. or that it is a process. I'm almost expecting myself to have arrived, even though I'm vocally saying it's a journey yes. in my heart. I'm expecting myself to be at the finish line already regarding how I go about doing things well. And so it is a check in my spirit of, hold up, I'm not really allowing myself permission to really journey through this and learn and walk with the Lord and fall and let him pick me back up. And I love how you said there's so much freedom and relief whenever you do let yourself journey with God and give yourself permission to do so and not expect you you to already have arrived. Yeah. We yeah. want to give the Holy Spirit plenty of opportunity to shine in our lives, meaning that there's so many areas of my life, yes, that I'm like, I could have never done that or walked through that had I not been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so it makes mm-hmm. me excited to think 10 years from now, oh man, God, I hope you do so much work in me that I can't even picture the person I'm going to be 10 years later, you know? Um, that's so exciting. I feel like that's such that's a, such a fun way to live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm so encouraged by, by this. I feel like this is just speaking directly into my own life. And so I just want to thank you for your vulnerability and for how you're just so freely sharing how the Lord has grown you and journeyed with you. And I would love, you mentioned earlier that if we have time, which of course we do, that you would love to share Ruth's birth story. Could you share that with us? Because I would love to hear it. I would love to. Zach always laughs when someone asks me this question because he's like, well, you be careful because she'll talk for two hours sharing this story. And no joke, (laughs) I could, because if I included all the details, man, it's just, it blows my mind. But I will tell it in a a somewhat condensed version, um, but it is beautiful. So Ruth Harvest Dasher, I will never forget the day she was born um, because it was Easter Sunday. And in our family, we have a tradition. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have a tradition that we get up at sunrise and we're in pajamas and everything. This is nothing like if you're listening to this and your parent, this is not one of these things that's like this beautiful picture moment. No, everybody's breath stinks. We're in our pajamas. Nothing. There's nothing formal going on here. Um, but we drag the kids out of bed and we go on our side porch as the sun is coming up. We're wrapped in blankets. We live in Black Mountain, North Carolina. So it's usually pretty cool on Easter morning. And Zach reads the story of the resurrection and we take communion together. And so we're out there and we're having, it's my favorite tradition that we have. We don't have tons of traditions, but it is my absolute favorite. And so we're out there and Zach's reading the story of the resurrection and my phone keeps buzzing. And I'm like, who is texting me at 6 a.m. on Easter morning? And I know that I'll turn into a pillar of salt if I check my phone while Zach is reading the resurrection story. And so I don't. I just leave it there. But it just keeps buzzing, keeps buzzing. So finally, we finish our time and the kids go back to bed. And I grab my phone and I see that Ruth's birth mom has texted me multiple times. Call me ASAP. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. So I call her. Now, you've got to keep in mind, she was only 27 weeks pregnant at this time. And she's telling me that she feels like she felt 
when she was in labor the first time. Um, so she actually, Ruth's birth mom had a baby, her first child, and then got pregnant with Ruth only three weeks after that. So, um, what? yes, it was, I didn't even know that was possible. But so she's sharing with me that she feels like she felt, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's probably just Braxton Hicks. No way that you're, you know, really in labor. So I said, okay, do you have somebody that can take you to the hospital? And she says, yeah, I think so. Um, so I said, okay, well, why don't you just go ahead and go just to be safe? I mean, I'm not thinking anything at this point. And she said, okay. And we hung up the phone. And so Meanwhile, it's Easter morning. Zach and I, we had helped plan a church here in Black Mountain. And so if you're in ministry on Easter morning, you're you're busying about, right? And so right. We, <laughs> we're getting kids dressed. We're, we're about to head out the door. Well, my phone rings again. And this time I answer and Ruth's birth mom is screaming and her boyfriend is screaming in the background that there's blood everywhere that, you know, she, it's an emergency situation. And so I try to calm her down. Um, that boyfriend calls an ambulance ambulance and I'm talking with her on the phone up until they close the doors and she's headed to the hospital. And so at this point we are in a mass, massive rush just to get out the door and on our way. So we're, we're riding down the road and just, you know, it's about a two and a half hour drive and we get a phone call and, um, I answer the phone. It goes to Zach and I. It's on speaker. And um, Ruth's birth mom's boyfriend asked if Zach was there and if I could take it off a speakerphone. And so I said, sure. And I gave Zach the phone, knowing that whatever he was saying was probably not good news. And um, Zach takes the phone call and hangs up. And I just kind of look at him. And he looks at me. And he says, um, he thinks that the baby didn't make it. Um, he's pretty sure that she didn't make it. And I remember that moment so clearly because it was, it was surreal in the fact that I never thought for a second that Ruth was dead. And I just looked at Zach and I said, she's not dead. She is not dead. And I got on my phone. Now remember, this is Easter Sunday. So the churches are filling up with all my people. It's Easter Sunday. And I just start texting every single person that I can text. And it just so happens that people are getting these texts while they're at church. And so multiple churches stopped their Easter service and prayed for Ruth. Harvest Asher in this moment. And I oh have the my goodness. <laughs> every time I share this, it just like I have the screenshot of those texts where I sent out she's unstable. And there's a 20 minute difference between me sending that out and these churches across the country praying for Ruth. And then I send out a text that says she's stable. Wow. I have chills all over my body right now. So she was a true resurrection story on Easter Sunday. She weighed two pounds and seven ounces and her little body was so tiny. Um, I remember this is a side story, crazy, but somehow Zach and I get to this hospital. Now keep in mind, this was in the middle of COVID. Okay. But somehow. Oh, I forgot about that. Somehow the Lord's angels intervened. And so in this hospital room, was birth mom, her boyfriend, me and Zach. 
And then they wheeled in Ruth Harvest Asher just for a second because they were going to have to rush her to another hospital. She was born at a hospital that, I mean, was not prepared to receive a 27-week-old baby. But God was prepared to to receive that. And so um, they wheeled her into the room, and we were able to look at her through this incubator. And I can't even describe the feeling that came over me, seeing her tiny body and knowing that God had seen this image long before I even was in this world. And so... She had a she had a pretty hard journey to fight. They um, sent her to Brenner's Children's Hospital, where we um, were with her every single day for seven weeks, watching her little body grow and struggle and thrive and all the things in between. Um, but we were able to bring her home seven and a half weeks after that, and it was it was such an awesome day. Praise God. Oh, wow. The verse that just comes to my mind is like, God will command his angel armies concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So you will not even strike your foot against a stone. And I also just can't help but picture in my head you being prostrated out like at that 546 house (laughs) and reading a book like 12 years before this even took place. And God, in that moment, as he was preparing you, as he was with you, as he saw you, as he heard the sighs, he knew what you longed for, and he he was also fully present on that day that she was born on Easter, and I'm just so amazed by God right now. I'm <laughs> so amazed. Jill, that's incredible. Yeah, it, it's honestly changed my life forever. Um, our whole family has been changed forever. And seeing my older kids love Ruth has been the the greatest gift probably of all. You know, you never know what bringing a new baby home is going to do. In a, you know, but it just has been so cool to see them love her. And it's allowed me to understand how much God loves me because Mm. I'm adopted. I mean, you're adopted. We are adopted by the father of all fathers. And I know how much I love this little girl that we don't share the same blood. I couldn't love her more, you know? Mm. And so I just had this picture of Jesus on the cross, shedding his blood. It's almost like his blood comes to us to make us like his adopted sons and daughters. You know, like we get to share in his blood. And I just, I don't know, it's it's given me such a beautiful picture of God's love getting to go through this experience. <sighs> well, I I am encouraged and I I'm just overwhelmed in thinking about like, Paul's prayer over the church of Ephesus. He's like, I pray that you may grasp how deep and wide and long and high the unfailing love of God is for you. And those of you listening, that's my prayer over you today, that you would grasp this love that God has for you that is unconditional, that is unfailing, and that is endless. Like there is nothing that you could ever do, no fear you could be feeling, nothing, no height nor depth, nothing in your past, the present, the future, no 
angels nor demons, like nothing in all of creation could separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jill, I just want to thank you for reminding us of that today. And what I love so much too, is that this is just part one of a two-part conversation. So friends, y'all are in for a treat because next week we get to just continue this incredible conversation. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And Jill, I want to thank you so much for opening your heart for sharing your story, for sharing Ruth's story and her birth mom's story and for just honoring the Lord in it all. I just really admire you and I love you. Oh, well, I love you so much. And honestly, thank you for just letting me share that story. It's, um, oh, yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It is a delight. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye, y'all.